When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Hey, Crime Creeps, it's your pal Mark. And I'm Charity. And this is the Case Watch Podcast. Go ahead and follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Case Watch Podcast, Twitter, Case Watch Pod. You want to follow us on Instagram, I am at NotMarkB. Charity is at Charity underscore Case Watch. Visit our website for links to all of our merch, stickers. Plus, you can join the exclusive Crime Creep Club by clicking the Buy Us a Coffee tab. All of that and more at www.casewatchpodcast.com. Charity, how has your day been going? My day's been pretty good, Mark. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. It's been good. No, it would make it better. I'm hoping you're going to say triple D. I am so going to read some triple Ds. Awesome, Charity. Go ahead. Give us some triple D. Okay. This uh, this happened in Long Island. 26-year-old Ariel Bonici was snagged by cops back in May for marijuana possession. A few months later, she had to show up for the court summons. Court appearances are super boring. But you know what would help that? More weed. Oh, boy. So according to police, Bonici rolled up to the station, cutting off undercover cops while talking on her cell phone on the way in, parking in a spot featuring a PD parking only sign. Not exactly the smartest move, but to be fair, she was allegedly super effing high. When cops confronted her about her illegal parking spot, a huge cloud of pot smoke puffed out of her window. (laughs) Maybe she was just holding all of the smoke for a friend. Wow. Keep it classy. What is wrong? I mean... I don't know why I'm shocked after reading these every week. Um, It's not that I'm shocked. I just, it's like, I almost can't believe the stupidity of people. It's crazy. I I love hearing these. This is one of my favorite part of the shows. All right. Are you ready for another? Oh my God. I do need another. Okay. Here's our next fella to talk about. A man in Ridgecrest, California, attempted to rob a home by sneaking in through the chimney in a move known as the reverse Santa. Keith Schultz climbed into the chimney, but that's as far as he got as he severely misjudged its width. Desperate for help, his female partner in crime allegedly tried to break into the house to help him, which police believe triggered the home's burglar alarm. She then called the police for help before escaping into the night. Meanwhile, firefighters pried Schultz free from the chimney. He was taken into police custody where he posed for a mugshot covered in soot, a headshot that could surely get him cast in a local stage production of Oliver Twist. Could you imagine the little children in this neighborhood seeing the police and yep. fire department pulling Santa Claus out of the chimney yeah. and arresting and him? He, and can you imagine how much he must have freaked out like when he's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just go into the chimney because I'll never get caught going in that way. And then gets himself like lodged in there. I'd have a panic attack. I mean, are people that dumb? 
Yeah, I Have think they so. ever actually looked inside of a chimney to see they're really not that big? Um, I think maybe he think he probably thought because Santa could do it. Santa is a jolly old fella. But Santa's also magic, and I don't think this fellow is. Wait, what? Yeah, he's magic, Mark. I need a palate cleanser, Charity. Do you have another? I do. This one's real good. Here we Excellent. go. Here we go, guys. The title says Circumcision by Gun. Oh, boy. Oh, good one. A robber in Chicago faced the ultimate punishment when he shot his own, you know, member. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right, Mark? I, th- I think I do, Charity. <laughs> According to Sun-Times, in October, 19-year-old... Wait a minute. <laughs> this guy should get together with the guy from last week with oh, all no. the extra meat in his pants? Meat. Oh, because he could give him some meat because he's he, missing... He could share be, some meat. Because he's missing meat now. Okay. Yes. That's good, Mark. You're so giving. I try. Ugh. So in October, 19-year-old... Terion Pouncey held up a hot dog stand with a gun in the <laughs> West Pullman neighborhood on the city's south side. Shortly after 6 a.m., after snatching the cash, he made a break for it and his gun accidentally discharged into his junk. So the unlucky robber was taken to Christ Medical Center and arrested. So you see, Your Honor, I was stealing a wiener and then I shot <gasps> off my wiener. I didn't even put that together. This is why I have Mark, you guys. Yeah, I, I put it together. It is always the weirdest thing, The right? irony here. The irony, and you're not holding up like a bank or or like you know some some place that has a ton of money. It's like hot dog stand. I mean, come on now. Let's really think about this. How much cash do you think you're gonna steal from the hot dog stand? Well, and it's kind of like a gift from the universe that he shot himself in there after robbing that hot dog stand. Because now he can't reproduce. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. And it was also like somebody in the universe was saying, "Dude, you're not very smart." Yeah. Not at all. So that was, I hope that was a good cleanser. I thought it was a good one. That was a good cleanser. Before we jump into the show today, I have a confession. Oh, what is it, Mark? Uh, Mark I don't this, even know how to say it. Mark, this is a safe place. This is a safe place. I'm kind of nervous to say this. I don't know how to say this. Guys, he looks nervous. He's like rubbing his hands together. I don't know. What's, I, I really don't know what's going on. All right. Here, here it is. Charity. Yeah. I'm scared. I might be a douchebag. What? I don't know. I had an incident that happened the other day and the lady called me a douchebag. What? Yeah, I don't. So I might be. So I was sitting here in the crime cave and I was like, you know what? We have a whole slew of crime creeps that listen to the show every week. So we sure do. Why not turn this into a segment? So here I am thinking we're going to start a new segment and guys case watch court is now in session. Yes, I love this. So this week, I'm going to present the case to Charity because this is my unfortunate incident and we'll let you, the people, decide. And if you choose that I am a douchebag, I will wear that proudly. And guys, you don't have to agree with me, obviously. So if I decide one way or the other, that's just my opinion. Because we here on Case Watch have many opinions, as you guys know. She's the judge. So honestly, the, the complete decision comes from you guys. And from here on out, guys, send us your cases that you want to be heard on the Case Watch Court. Info at casewatchpodcast.com. Heck, we might even bring you on the air to present your case yourself if you wanted to. And it doesn't have to be about you. Oh, no. Not at all. Just a case in You need a ruling if someone's a douchebag or not, bring it to us. Yep. All right. So here we go. I'm listening. I have to preface this with, I was really hungry at the time. Oh, guys, guys. He turns into like as we said before, Betty White in that commercial when she's Snickers Snickers bar. Yeah, Yeah, it's bad. So sorry. Go ahead, Mark. So I had woken up late. I work nights as everybody here pretty much should know by now. So I was like, I have got to stop and grab something on the way to work. 
So I stopped at Market Basket, which is our local supermarket. I don't know. Other people have like Piggly Wigglies and I would love to have a Piggly Wiggly. Wegmans and stuff like that. Ours in New England is Market Basket and they have a great deli. It's amazing. So I went in and I got myself a meatball grinder, which everybody hates that I say grinder. It's but a that's, sub. It's a sub, people. It is a sub. Please, everybody, just please tell us what you think. Is it a sub or a grinder? And I know it is going to depend on where you live. But in, continue on now. In New Hampshire, it's called a grinder. <laughs> and that's where I'm from. And no, not the app, by the way. <laughs> this is something you eat. Well, wait a minute. I'm digging this hole deeper. Let's move on. Just, just move on. So I got a meatball grinder. So this store is packed. It's probably three o'clock in the afternoon. So I walk up and all I have is this meatball grinder and I have a soda. So I look at the 12 items or less. So I get in line. This place, like I said, is mobbed. There's five people in front of me and then there's a cart full of products. Oh, nobody around it. Did you count how many? That didn't matter. Okay. Like it was obviously in line. So I sat behind the cart. The person in front of the cart is now moved up a spot. Now there's an empty spot and now it moves up again and nobody's claiming this cart. Why would they just now, leave that cart? Now there's just one person behind the register waiting to check out. And at this point now, I just walk. I, I'm like, obviously, this person just left the cart here. I no sooner than put my stuff on the belt and I have some lady yell, hey, you just cut me. That's my stuff. I'm in line. And I was like, well, I'm sorry. It's been sitting there. She's like, you cut me. I'm like, OK. But I mean, in my defense, it was just sitting there. I had no clue where you were. And I waited. So I proceeded to check out. And she is the whole time behind me. She's like, you this you're what's wrong with society. You're not a good person. So I just ignored her, checked out and left. And then I got in my car and I was like, am I a douchebag? No, no. My I, I'm going to give you my direct opinion right now. You're not oh, a douchebag. Your opinion. My opinion. So she shouldn't have left her cart for that long. What, what were you supposed to do? Was everyone just supposed to stop time until she came back? If I could turn back time. Oh, that's really good, Mark. I know. Yeah, I don't think that's being a douchebag. I think that it was a misunderstanding because you didn't think anybody was coming back to the cart anytime soon. And you only had two items. So you probably figured in your head, I'm going to be super quick and I'm going to be cashed out before this person even comes back. All right. So in my head, the only thing I was thinking is I want to get into my car and house this sub as fast (laughs) as I can. Inhale it. Yes. That was that was what was in my thinking. So in my my hangering for food, I may be a douchebag. The people charity has ruled that yeah. I am not. No, that's not a douchebag. But unfortunately for charity, it's not up to her. It's up for you yeah. to decide. Guys, let us know if you think Mark's a douchebag. So, all right. Basically, people send us a message. Is Mark a douchebag or not? And if I am, I'll wear it proudly. It yeah, is I what mean, it is. What are you going to do? If you've ruled the douche, you're a douchebag. Yeah. Or hag. Either hag, one. dag bag. Whatever. That we, we've been sent so many amazing ones. I'm, I can't even keep up. I love that these people have oh, embraced. So good. All right, guys, it is what it is. If you rule me a douchebag, I will wear that badge with honor. Can you go ahead and get us into today's case? Yeah, guys, this case is a very difficult case to read. This is the first serial killer that I will be covering. Um, there'll be many more, I'm sure. This name of the serial killer is Robert Berdella, and he is known as the Butcher of Kansas City. And he had six victims between 1984 and 1987. Okay. I I am not aware of him. Uh, I wasn't either, actually. So let's go ahead and get into it. So let's talk a little bit about his early life. Robert Andrew Berdella Jr. was born in Ohio on January 1st, 1949. His father, Robert, worked for Ford Motor Company while his mom, Mary, stayed home to take care of the family. There was a brother named Daniel. He was seven years younger than Bardella. His family was said to be extremely religious and frequently went to church, although Bardella would choose to stop going to church when he entered his teen years. And there's a reason why I'm calling him by his last name, because he doesn't deserve 
deserve his first name to be mentioned, just okay. so everybody knows. So apparently he has another one, Mark. He was bullied at school by many. He had horrible eyesight. So I guess he had like really thick Coke bottle glasses. And he also had a speech impediment. I mean, it was said that he suffered from high blood pressure. I don't know why the kids wouldn't know that. But so between the speech impediment and the thick, thick glasses, I guess the kids were kind of ruthless to him. People are cruel. They're cruel. I mean, we, we've established that. So like many other killers, he was described as a loner and barely had any social life. He was, however, a very good student. So he kept to himself like many we hear. Not everyone who's a loner is a serial killer or a killer, but he kept to himself. He didn't really socialize much. And um, he did clearly concentrate on his studies because he was a really good student. So his father was often uh, abusive to both of his boys. And um, he would constantly compare the difference between the two boys. So Daniel, his brother, was very athletic, had a lot of friends. And you had Bardella with no athleticism at all and pretty much no friends. No kid wants to hear how much better somebody else is. Shame on parents who do that stuff. I agree 100%. So Treat that, your kids equally. Come on, people. So clearly his father was pointing out what he thought was his son's shortcomings while showcasing the other son of how amazing he is. Basically, you should be more like him. So I have two kids. Yep. They're both great and special in their own ways. Yeah. And I highlight both of the specialties that they have. And you don't take away what one has from the other because they are totally independent, separate people. And that's what you love about your kids, right? Because it's awesome that they're all different. So as he began puberty, he quickly realized he was gay. He would keep this to himself, though, because back in the day... Again, you didn't really talk about that. It's not something he broadcasted. So as he grew up into his teenage years, uh, he would develop an attitude as he was feeling more confident. So he got, as he went through puberty, he started feeling like really confident about himself. He knew who he was. He knew who he was attracted to. But unfortunately, this attitude was mostly towards women. So he had a, quite a disdain towards women, I guess. And um, that said, during this time, he would become a great cook and find much joy for the art. So he loved drawing. He loved cooking. He would try new recipes and he would paint and he would do all these these interesting things. So it kind of since sounded like he was kind of eclectic and found some joy in his life. Yeah, he found his own way. So Christmas Day, 1965, Bardella's father had a massive heart attack and died. Oh boy. So this is when things start to change a little bit. So his mother remarried not long after his father's death and he would have much resentment towards his mother because of this. Okay. He was pissed that she was just like, oh, dad's dead and we're gonna remarried. In his head, that's how he felt, I think. I think that's hard for anybody if you've never been through that as an adolescent losing right. your parent, it is hard. It's a big change. Right. So after uh, these events, he would spend even more time alone, concentrating on painting. He collected stamps and coins, and he would eventually graduate from high school in 1967. So Bardella thought he might want to become a professor. So he enrolled at Kansas City Art Institute, but he later became a chef instead. So while he was at the art school, Mark, this is when he would start having murderous thoughts. Oh boy. So this is where it gets a little interesting. He would begin to dabble in animal torture, which People is something- let me, let me let you in on a secret. Whenever Charity says this is getting interesting means I get squeamish. Yeah. So it, yeah, it is getting interesting. So he, he started to dabble in animal torture at least three times that are known. So he even killed a dog, Mark, claiming it was an quote unquote art experiment. And this act would get him expelled from the school in 1969. So they actually kicked him out of art school because it was known that he killed a dog for art. They were like, peace. Peace out, buddy. They were like, peace, dude. But wouldn't you think, though, Mark, maybe like somebody would mention something to somebody that knows him or report him somewhere or I don't know. I mean, you would think and I've said this now that we've been doing this for quite a while. I'm amazed at how many people let things that should 
be indicators just pass by. Because this isn't just something little. Like he made it known that he murdered animals. Yeah, that's not little. No. That, at all. So around the time that he got kicked out of this college, he would start drinking a ton of alcohol and he actually started selling drugs. So he actually got arrested for selling drugs, but there wasn't enough evidence for the charges to stick. So he was very lucky in that point because he got off. Now we find ourselves in the 80s and it seemed as though he was a functioning member of his community. He even became the chairman of the South Hyde Crime Prevention and Neighborhood Association. So he stuck himself. Of course he did. Right in the community as a pillar of the community. He worked as a very successful chef at this time and he even helped develop programs for future chefs in Kansas City. So he was very helpful. He wanted to help other young chefs develop their craft and everybody, you know, knew who he was. He was just a law abiding, amazing community man. Yeah. And that's all a lie. Upstanding. Well, we don't know yet, right? Except for the dog killing. Yeah. But here we go. Let's, let's read some more. So at this time, he would become extremely comfortable with being gay, which is not a bad thing, right? He's completely- no, be who you are. Yeah, he's embraced who he is. He had a not so long relationship with a man that was a Vietnam vet. It was just kind of quick lived. He just, it was kind of his first, I think, relationship. So next he would get into befriending male prostitutes and would try to get them off drugs. So he was he befriended them like, oh, I'm a friend of yours. I'm going to help you get off drugs. I'm going to help you get clean and live a nice life. So Mark, when these men didn't get clean, because you can't force someone to get clean, you can help them. But if you're going to go help somebody with something they're struggling with, you can't get mad at them. No, nobody will, you know, it's like nobody will make the change until they're ready to. Well, themselves. that's the thing. So it's it's great that he wanted to help them, but he can't be mad. So he did get mad, though. He became angry. So he then decided to gain control of them instead by giving them money or helping them with rent, etc. Kind of like a sugar daddy from what I read. And uh, they would, of course, pay him back with sexual acts. Hmm. So he's kind of now he's using them. So it turned to like, oh, I'm helping you to now I'm pissed that you're not getting clean. So now I'm just going to use you like you're a piece of trash. Great. Yeah. Nice and progression demo- and so demoralize far. you and all that fun stuff. Yet still being a pillar in the community, Mark. So at the age of 32, Bardello would quit being a chef and go on to open a store. This store sounds so bizarre, by the way. And it's actually called Bob's Bizarre Bazaar. So Bob's B-I-Z-A-R-R-E B-A-Z-A-A-R. The items sold at this store were considered dark, almost dedicated to the occult type of thing. So he had like an eclectic little collection of kind of dark paintings and dark figurines and just some interesting things. Now, mind you, he left being a chef that he was very lucrative. He was making excellent money at being a chef. So he left that to do this. And uh, to keep the store running, he would often steal items to sell and even take in renters to his home for money. The renters he was taking in, a lot of them were these men, you know, and again, he was taking them in saying, you can stay here as long as you like, you can do this, you can do that, cheap rent, all in all, while he's controlling them. So also at this time, behind closed doors in his home were acts of sadomasochistic enslavement, murder, and horrific torture, Mark. Both voluntary and, as we will find out, involuntary participants. Oh, so some boy. of these people were like, yeah, dude, I'm up for this. And other people were like, well, we'll just find out. Yes. We? Of course you picked this case. I know. I didn't, I, honestly, I didn't pick this case because of this. I just found it interesting. And as I got into it, I was, I was like, whoa, there's a lot to this. So let's talk about the killing. Should we? Absolutely. So Jerry Howell was the first person killed. So Berdello would offer the 19-year-old Jerry a ride to a dance competition the next town over. And this was on July 5th, 1984. Now, Jerry's father bought some art from Berdello and was friendly with him. So to me, this is most likely why Jerry was quick to accept the ride because he knew him. 
And again, he was in the community. Everybody knew him. While driving, Bordello would give the 19-year-old lots of alcohol, and then he'd make him take Valium. Yeah, those don't mix. No. So instead of going to the dance competition, Jerry was brought to Bordello's home and quickly tied to the bed. This is where it gets, oof. So the boy was kept drugged for a time span of 28 hours. Oh, boy. During this time... It was severe torture and rape. Poor Jerry was even violated with foreign objects. He would, of course, scream for Bordella to stop and show his mercy, but he would finally die from asphyxiation. Oh, man. This does not sound like a fun time. No. And, all- and you said there was people that were willing to do this stuff. Um, I think they were willing to do, like, some freaky stuff, but maybe not, like, this freaky. I guess I'm boring. Yeah, I think me too. So if things couldn't get any worse... Bordello would hang Jerry's body upside down overnight, butchering main arteries to let all his blood drain out. Oh, Ugh. he bled him. Yeah. And then the next day, Mark, he'd dismember his lifeless body with a bone saw. And then, Mark, the pieces of Jerry's body were placed in a bunch of trash bags and left outside on the curb for the trash men to pick up and dispose of. Unbelievable. How can you do that to somebody? And like, just all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, I'm going to start killing and dismembering people. I just, I don't know. This is why these cases are so unbelievable to me, that the mind can do this kind of thing. I think of a lot of weird stuff. This is nothing I ever think of. Me neither. So Bardella had a stenographer's pad, and he detailed every horrific moment of Jerry's 28-hour torture. And this is something that he does with all of his victims. And it's something that is used to finally get him in the end as well. This is crazy. Yeah. So let's move on to our next victim. All right, Charity, let's take a moment and thank one of our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So let's move on to our next victim now. His name is Robert Sheldon. Robert was one of the men that Bordella took advantage of. So he'd been in his life for some time. So he's one of those men that he tried to first get off drugs or whatever he was on and he wouldn't comply. So he then decided to, you know, take advantage of him. So Robert was only 18 years old when he found himself on Bordella's front step on April 10th, 1985. He actually needed a place to stay. And as we know, this was not uncommon for these men to arrive like this. So Bardella wasn't attracted to Robert, so he spared the rape. Isn't that nice of him? Yeah, good yeah. job. You're, you're good not job, attra- Bardella. I'm not attracted to you, so I'm not going to rape you, so whatever. Wow. Unfortunately for him, though, he was definitely not spared the torture. This would be the first time that Bardella would use chemicals to weaken the body and also as a form of torture. <sighs> Do you want me to continue? Yeah, I think we yeah. have to. Yeah. So he first tied Robert's wrists with piano wire. And this was done with like the hopes that the wire would permanently damage the nerves. Who thinks of that? 
That is horrible. Like, oh, I'm going to use wire because, you know, if I use something soft, it's not going to damage his nerves. That's crazy. It's gross. Next, he would put drain cleaner in his eyes and fill his ears with caulk. Like caulking that you would use in a bathroom. Ew. Wow. What are you doing? How like, do you how think do you of th- this stuff? That's what I'm saying. So then he put needles under the poor man's nails. It's just one thing after another. So I guess Bardella was having some work done on his house. So clearly he had to get rid of Robert before they arrived. So he was having workers come to like, I don't know, lay some tile maybe. Who the hell knows? And he decided to suffocate him. And then, of course, dismember his body before getting rid of it. This guy is, wow, crazy. And getting rid of is in quotations because it's never really said how we got rid of this poor man's body. So now we find ourselves June of 1985 and we're going to meet Mark Wallace. So this would again be one of the men uh, that he had manipulated from time to time because they needed a place to stay, which is so mean. Like if you're going to help somebody, freaking help them. Don't manipulate them. Do it out of the kindness of your heart. That pisses me off. Not to go on a side jag here, but there's nothing worse than friends that help you than have to tell everybody that they helped you. Oh, and they and then they get pissed when they're like, well, they didn't even return the favor. That's not why you help someone, people. You help someone because it's the goodness of your heart. And that's what we should do as human beings. Yeah, those are like the other. first one on Facebook. Like, oh, well, I helped you with that. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, thanks for telling everybody. Yeah. yeah remember when I did that for you? I hate that. Yeah. Let me just tell everybody. All right, so moving on. Sorry. Sorry. Bordello would find Mark, who was only 20 at the time, in his shed trying to get a good night's sleep. So he found him like in his little outdoor shed where he probably kept his lawnmower, you know, getting some shelter, trying to take a little nap because he knew he'd be safe there. Or so he thought. Right. So Mark would be heavily drugged and would have hypodermic needles stuck into his back. So took him inside, gave him a place to stay drugged him on up like he did to most of his dudes and put hypodermic needles. Now, I don't know about you, Mark, but I don't have hypodermic needles laying around. I mean, maybe someone who is diabetic might. Yeah, I don't have any. But like, if you don't have a need to use them for health reasons, I mean, I don't know. I guess he just had a bunch though, hanging out. So high voltage electric shock was also used during this torture. Wow. Yep, gets worse. This guy is just ever increasing. Gross what he's doing. I don't think douchebag or anything douche even fits this guy, to be honest. No, because those are fun. Yeah, exactly. This is not fun. So Mark's body could not withstand this torture and he would finally die after a few days. So he, this went on for a few days with this poor man. And again, after dying, Bordello would dismember and dispose of his body. This is, this is his MO. This is what he does. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, I'm just going to just, you know, nobody needs to find a body. So I'm just going to like get rid of it. Well, from what I've gathered, he's figured this works. Nobody's found his other stuff yet. So. True. True. Until this, you know, gets discovered, I think in his head, he's like, oh, I can keep increasing what I'm doing with the other stuff and I know how to get rid of them. Yeah. Now in July of 1985, another one of Bradella's men that he helped from time to time would show up at his house wondering if he could crash there for a while as he'd done before. And this would be James Ferris. He would be 20 years old and this poor man would be tied to the bed and then his genitals would be shocked with 7,700 <gasps> volts of electricity. Oh, my God. And his body gave up just after two days. Well, I can't even think of that. Oh, my God. And we're still going, by the way. Yeah. We're not done yet. Oh, boy. In 1986, Bordello would be at a park where he would bump into 21-year-old Todd Stoops. Todd was a former male prostitute, and he had stayed at Bordello's house in the past. So he he's finding these guys that he already knew. It's horrible. Todd was asked if he would like to go to Bordello's house and have some lunch. 
you know, Todd thought it was a great idea for like a couple old friends just catching up. I hope he doesn't have him for lunch. Please see, don't tell me that. You see your old friend at the park. You say, oh, hey, let's get some fond memories. Yeah, I'd love to have lunch at your hey, house. come on see, back to my murder hut. Yeah. Oh, murder hut. Yeah, well, this definitely was a murder hut. Yeah, that's a good one. It is a good one, Mark. So once at the house, Berdilla would drug Todd like he did with everybody else and keep him in his house against his will for weeks. Oh, see now, I don't want to be killed, but if it's going to happen, oh, I want I it to be it right fast. Away. So he wanted to turn Todd into a sex slave. Clearly, he was attracted to this one. Yeah. He wanted to be a sex slave. He would perform electric shock in his eyes and shoot drain cleaner into his larynx, trying to render him mute. Can you imagine? No, I drain, really can't. What? Who thinks? I, I would never, this would never cross my mind. No. Never in my wildest dreams would any of this stuff even be remotely a thing that I would do. No. So all of this was done while Bardello was raping and sexually assaulting him. Todd would finally die of loss of blood due to his anus rupturing from Bardello <gasps> sodomizing him with his fist. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, guys, but these stories need to get out because these poor men. They suffered. They suffered. And their names should get out there as people who had suffered. I just, oh, my gosh. So it's 1987. And Bordello would now meet 20-year-old Larry Wayne Pearson while working at his shop. The men became friendly and would joke around until the day Larry offended Bordello. After Larry joked about Bordello robbing gay men in Wichita, he decided he would kill him. So, you know, it's all fun and games. Let's joke back and forth until you say something true. Wow, Charity, that brings a uh, sore sport to a whole new level. Yeah, and obviously he had a nerve because it was true. He Ugh. did rob gay men. All right, before you continue, I want to take one more moment to thank another one of our sponsors. Bordello would, of course, drug Larry and torture him with chemicals and electric shock, just like his previous victims. He would break Larry's hand with a metal bar as well. Oh. Wait, just wait. This went on for six weeks. So this guy fought back. So good for you, Larry. While being forced to perform oral sex on Bordello. Bite. Larry bit down as hard and as deeply as he could on his unit. His uh, member. His tiny me, let's hope. I bet it was a tiny little dude. Why did we go off on a side jag here? This was funny. I don't know. I just wanted to make fun of his peep. I kind of did too. He deserves it. He does deserve it. So because of this, Bartella would flip out and beat and strangle Larry until he was dead. So at least Larry tried and still having the strength after six weeks to fight back like that. You got to give the guy some props for that. Yeah, that's horrible. It's horrible. So 22-year-old Christopher Bryson would be Bertella's last victim. This was March 29th, 1988. So Christopher was actually a male prostitute that Bertella wanted to hire for sex. Christopher was knocked unconscious with a metal bar as soon as he arrived to the house. So he he must have called some sort of agency or something and ordered some sex. Well, back then they had, what was it, back pages and stuff like that in the newspapers? Yeah, so Christopher was the one that was going to show up. So he was, like I said, knocked unconscious with a metal bar as soon as he arrived to the house. And when he woke, he was tied up and tortured just like all the other victims before him. Christopher decided he would gain Bertella's trust. And when he did, he asked for his hands to be tied in front of his body instead of the bed. So he basically kind of befriended him, talked to him friendly, kind of acted like he wasn't scared and actually got him to tie his hands in the front instead of the back. So when Bardella left the room, Christopher would spot some matches nearby. He quickly would grab them and burn through the rope that was tying his hands together. This is a smart guy. He would then quickly escape out the window, jump to the ground where he ran to a nearby meter maid and then called the police. This is what is really sad. He was wearing nothing but a dog collar. How embarrassing. 
at that point, though, I don't he's think he's free. Did. Yeah, he's free. he's free. The police would then show up at Bardella's home, question him, and arrest him. This sent a shock through the community. From the outside in, Bardella was seen as eccentric, but by all accounts, a community-driven, friendly man. Some of his friends even accused law enforcement of framing him. In fact, almost no one in Kansas City wanted to believe anyone could be capable of this kind of act. This so, sounds a lot, and you have to go watch this movie if you have not. Mr. Brooks. Oh, I haven't seen that movie. This sounds like Mr. Brooks. This has got Kevin Costner, who I I love Kevin Costner, where he owns a box company. He's like business of the year. Yep. He's the person of the year for this, you know, I think it was like Seattle or whatnot. And like, yeah, he's a serial killer in the movie. Oh, I'm going to watch that. This movie is one of my favorites. It's yeah. awesome. Like, I mean, this guy was known as being eccentric, like they said, but he just. Well, he did own the Bizarre Bazaar. He owned the Bizarre Bazaar. So after getting a search warrant, the police would get inside. They would find blood all over the basement floor, liquid and other substances that couldn't be identified Ooh. at a glance. I know. There were syringes and vet drugs as well. So he had like animal drugs that were actually prescribed. Wow. So I don't know if some of those animal drugs were ones that he used to sedate or uh, I don't know. It would know. probably be easier, honestly, to get a hold of yeah. than it would be to get actual people drugs. It would draw less attention. Who knows? I mean, he was thinking there. Exactly. The police also found, are you ready for this, Mark? Human teeth in an envelope. Just a random envelope with some human teeth in it. I mean, did he still believe in the tooth fairy? I'm not very unclear about that. Wow. That's strange. Also found... Over 200 Polaroid pictures. The photos were of 19 naked men, and all of them were identified but three. So there's more. Yep. In some of the pictures, the men were being tortured, and in other photos, they looked as if they could be dead. There was even one photo of a man hanging upside down by his feet, and his face was blue. Yeah. Yeah. So during excavation of the backyard, a human skull and a vertebrae would be found. It was obvious that many deaths had happened on the property, but there were no bodies found. There was no actual bodies besides just that skull and the vertebrae. The investigators would use Bordella's own detailed notes describing every murder to help identify the victims and prove he did these horrible, unspeakable things. They knew that they needed to find out who the victims were in the photos. So listen to this. This is where he starts to get his a little bit. It was suggested to law enforcement to have Bordella be photographed in exactly the same position as his victims. So this was done because in a lot of the photos that they found, the person who took the pictures, you could see like parts of their stomach or their hand. So they kind of wanted to take pictures of him so that they could compare it on film mm. to help identify him as the killer. So once these pictures of Bordella were taken, they would be sent to a professional to identify that it was his limbs in et cetera in the pictures. It was said that having these photos taken of himself was very embarrassing for him, Mark. He was embarrassed. I almost feel bad. Do you? No. Because I don't. Not one I bit. Don't, I don't feel bad at all. So Bordello would shock everyone when he would get, enter a guilty plea. He did this because he was offered a deal. If he pled guilty and told all of the disgusting details of his actions, he'd be able to avoid the death penalty. So coward, hello. Like you could do all these horrible things to people. But the thought of having somebody end your life is just too much. Right, exactly. Apparently he seemed to enjoy himself in the courtroom, Mark, and he would revel in the control he had while recounting every little detail. So it was said he had a photographic memory. So he detailed every horrible thing he did. Judge Vincent E. Baker would sentence him to two life sentences with no parole. This is what I don't understand. Only two life sentences? I don't know how that works in the system like that. 
He killed all those people, but he's only in there for two lives. I mean, yeah. I guess it ensures he's never going to get out, but. I mean, after one life sentence, I, I mean, it's kind of redundant. But at I the know. same token, if my family member was not one of the ones that were the ones used to convict him of the right. life, I would be upset feeling as if my loved one's death was not avenged. So it's about to get a little bit worse. So unfortunately, Mark, there wasn't much justice because Bardella only served four years in prison in Jefferson City at the age of four. Wait, only four years. Well, and then at the age of 43, on October 8th, 1992, he would die from a massive heart attack, just like his father. This is not how nope. justice is supposed to work. Four and a half years. Four, four and a half years. And then he dies of a heart attack. Yep. After doing those horrific things to all of those poor men. Yeah. There's a special place down below just for well, you. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping he got his justice. And I, I think he did. I'm hoping as well. Yeah. Wow, Charity, that case is absolutely freaky. It's horrible. All right. So real quick, before we wrap up this episode, I need to tell Charity something. There's a crime creep that we have that is talented. Really? Oh my God. She started talking to me and she's like, oh, well, check out the stuff that I make. She makes stained glass murder items. Oh. <gasps> She made this cleaver that's got blood dripping off of it. That's awesome. So I went and found her Instagram and I ordered one for the studio. No so way. So people, you need to check this out. It's Little Crow Arts on Instagram. Oh, I'm definitely checking she it out. She is a crime creep and she loves the show and I am in love with her stained glass. Like I, it's going to be sitting right over here next to me in the studio. Guys, go check it out. Unbelievable. And if any other of our crime creeps are super talented and do super cool stuff, I want to know. Me like, too. This is how we all succeed. Absolutely. So go buy some stuff from her and then go ahead and tell us what you do as well. All right, Charity, I think we're just about wrapped up with this episode here. I think so. This one was a lot. I think I need a stiff drink. Yeah. Yeah. I need more than a stiff drink. That's yeah. for sure. This was a lot. Remember people, text and voicemail 603-212-4600. Info at casewatchpodcast.com. If you're old school like me, I prefer an old email. All right, guys, until next week. Hey, have a good one. Bye. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.